Hello and welcome to another edition of the Personal Growth Book Club. My name is Caleb and I am so pumped that you are here with me this week. At the Personal Growth Book Club, we believe that the fastest way to a better life is through a deeply ingrained success mindset. Together each season, we study powerful personal growth and development books, information that has been collected over lifetimes, handed down from generations, and proven to work for millions of people. Not only will you get the opportunity to study these books in depth along with me, but you will be a part of a success-minded community of people just like you. Guys, you do not want to miss this. Let's build the life you've always wanted together. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another meeting of the Personal Growth Book Club. I appreciate everybody spending some time with me today. We've got a great meeting to discuss chapter number nine, which was persistence. A ton of great content. But before we get into that, let's do a few housekeeping things. If this is your first time at the Personal Growth Book Club, Thank you so much for joining. In order to get the full experience of being a part of our club, start from the beginning. Go back to episode one. We are reading Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I'm reading the 1963 edition. Not that it matters. I haven't really heard if one edition is better than any others. I would assume that as the editions of the book come out, they get better every release. But this was the version of the book that was given to me. If you would like to join our community, you can find us on Telegram. That's t.me slash pgbclub. We've got some great content there, including a schedule for episode releases, as well as the action items that have been pulled from the book chapter by chapter so that you guys don't have to try to remember all of the stuff that the author wants us to do. And lastly, just to remind everybody of the expectations, I'm not here to regurgitate the content of the book. I know that sometimes it kind of seems like that's what I'm doing, but really what I'm trying to do for everybody is provide value by giving my general thoughts, by asking questions that came up when I read the book, and to help everybody just get a different perspective on what they read. So yeah, the expectation is that everybody has the book and that week by week before the release of the podcast, everybody has gone through and read the chapter, taken their own notes, and formed their own ideas for what the stuff in the chapter means to them. All right, I think that's going to do it for our housekeeping stuff. As far as action items from last week in the chapter on decision, there was just one that was delegated by the author, and he said to put the following quote somewhere where you will see it daily, and that is... Tell the world what you intend to do, but first, show it. It's about what you actually do and not about your qualifications, not about what you say you will do, not about what you know. It's about the actions that you take, however small, that you show the world what it is you intend to do. So without further delay, let's get into this episode on persistence. I think everybody's going to really enjoy this episode. I know that earlier points throughout this book, there have been some confusing structure. It's kind of been, it seems like things have just been out of place at times. And now that we're running into these later chapters, things are really starting to tie in together. And persistence is definitely no exception to that. So enjoy. Enjoy. 
introduction section. I want to start with my favorite quote from this chapter, and that is, Fortunes gravitate to men whose minds have been prepared to attract them, just as sure as water gravitates to the ocean. And you're going to see how this quote is so applicable in this particular chapter. But there is something about the physical nature of the universe that thought creates a it creates an attractive field similar to gravity that will bring what it is that you were thinking about to you now that can be good or that can be bad but your thoughts will physically pull those things that you're thinking about to you in some way or another so the author says that the basis of persistence is the power of will persistence is sort of the the symptom of a strong will I take this to mean that one cannot have persistence without willpower. In order to be persistent, you have to have that strong willpower. He also says that desire and persistence are an irresistible pair. Men who accumulate great riches are often thought of as ruthless, but it's actually usually misunderstood. What they have is strong willpower, which they use to be unwaveringly persistent, all while keeping their crosshairs on the ultimate desire. So, persistence, again is not something that is just directly natural in a human mind. It's always followed by strong willpower. And we're going to talk in detail about how to create that strong willpower and thus the strong persistence. Your test of persistence. So the first true test of persistence is actually going to come when we finish this book. And it's time to start the six steps outlined in chapter number two. The major of which will be the daily repetition and affirmation of our desires and its description. If we really, really want what we are after, it's going to be up to us as individuals to persist in carrying out those six steps every single day. Now, lack of persistence is a common trait among people and it's a common mode of failure but it can be overcome and the way that it can be overcome is by strong desire the stronger that your desire is the easier it's going to be for you to be persistent so here is the first action item from this chapter once we have finished this book begin immediately to carry out the instructions for the six steps on the chapter on desire and i want to say that something very similar, if not the same action item, has been placed earlier in the book. I'm going to have to go back and check that out. Now, if you are already doing this, if you've already started on the six steps, which when we first approached it, that was the action item. So maybe you guys have successfully put together those six steps, which is awesome. But for those of you who have not been able to do that yet, you have to prepare yourself to be able to do that once you are done with this book and once we have a really strong grasp of the 13 principles in the book. So this is where my favorite quote comes in, in this, in this chapter as well. He says again that fortunes gravitate to men whose minds have been prepared to extract them just as sure as water gravitates to the ocean. Imagine a bowling ball in the middle of a sheet and there's a person on each corner of the sheet holding that holding that sheet up with a bowling ball in it. If you put a golf ball in that sheet, that golf ball, if even if you try to roll it past the bowling ball, that golf ball is going to naturally gravitate to the place in the center of the sheet where the bowling ball has stretched it. It's the same concept with your thoughts. If you have 
positive thoughts, if you have persistent thoughts, your mind creates a force akin to gravity that attracts those things to you. And oftentimes it begins in the form of more thought. So if you start your day with even one negative thought, let's say you stub your foot out of bed and you blame the world and you get really mad, you're going to start blaming the world and you're going to getting, be getting upset about a lot of stuff. And you're going to find that the worse it gets, the worse it gets. So on the contrary, if you start your day with even just one positive, appreciative, grateful thought, you're going to find that the rest of the day, your mind is way more likely to be attracting tons of other positive thoughts. And why is this applicable now? Because those positive thoughts create a strong desire, which create a persistent mindset. So mindset is definitely the most important in strengthening persistence. But the author also lists some additional ways to strengthen them in this section too, and I'm going to list them. So there are instructions in the upcoming chapter on power. There is the helpful cooperation of the people in your mastermind that will help you stay persistent. And of course, through auto-suggestion, which we talked about earlier in the six steps in our affirmations. Are you money conscious or poverty conscious? Here we got the example of breaking out of a nightmare. You start moving your body back into reality slowly. One body part at a time, you're paralyzed from fear, but slowly you start moving your fingers and your hand and then your arm and then you start moving your head around and you realize that was just a dream. It wasn't real. And you just, you slowly start to break out of that. Now, most people naturally have developed a poverty consciousness over time. And I think it's a symptom of our society because we have a propensity to compare ourselves to others and what they have and what we don't have. And the important thing to remember here is that if you're focusing on the lack of wealth, if you're focusing on the lack of prosperity, you attract more lack. You attract more lack of prosperity. So you say, but I'm not wealthy. So how do I focus on being wealthy when I'm not? I don't have what I want. Because you have to realize that you actually are. You have to be grateful for what you actually have. Even if you have some of the worst set of circumstances you possibly can, you have to pick out the things that you can appreciate because there are things that are there. At minimum, you can be grateful that you're breathing air. You can be grateful that you are alive. Now, notice how I didn't say that you're tricking your mind. You have to actually step back and be grateful for what you have. It's not about convincing your mind that you have more than you actually do. It's about believing and being appreciative for what you actually have because that appreciation will attract more thoughts of things you can be appreciative of and more physical things that you're going to be appreciative of as well. He says here in this section that persistent, deliberate thought is what makes you win. Notice the word deliberate here. Like we said earlier, it's a natural symptom of our society to think in terms of lack, to get on Instagram, to get on Facebook, to get on any of these social medias and see other people traveling, other people so happy with their beautiful families and their perfect lives, and then compare your life and wonder, well, I'm not doing any of that. Why is my life not like that? There's nothing atypical about this reaction, but it's time to start being aware of those thoughts and what are causing you to have those thoughts. And once you can be deliberate about thinking about what you have instead of the lack of what you have, 
you're gonna find your life starts to take a complete 180. How to snap out of mental inertia. So the first words in this section are, you may find it necessary, which means that this is not required, but you may find it helpful. So what is mental inertia? Mental inertia is a thought momentum that just keeps attracting more negative thoughts and life patterns. Remember I gave the example of getting out of bed and stubbing your toe, or maybe you guys feel sometimes that you're just in a rut. Remember that your thought momentum is moving fast in the opposite direction that what you want. So switching that direction may need to happen in the opposite way. You're gonna have to slowly start pushing back as hard as you can in the opposite direction until the momentum builds. So it's gonna seem unnatural at first. It's gonna be like you're constantly trying to monitor your thoughts and you're trying to constantly lie to yourself. But again, as you do this, the momentum is gonna start building you're gonna start having these deliberate small thoughts that at first seem like they aren't true, but then you're gonna start realizing that they actually are, and you're gonna start attracting more of that mindset. He says that it sometimes seems like there's a hidden guide who is always testing people through all kinds of discouraging experiences. Now those who can't take those experiences simply don't make the grade. Those who can, however, are, quote, bountifully rewarded for their persistence. Now, this reward comes in the form of the goal that they are trying to achieve, yes, but more importantly, it comes in the form of knowledge, the knowledge and the confidence to know that, quote, every failure comes with it, the seed of an equivalent advantage. You're going to get to the point where you start running into setbacks and you're gonna realize, oh, it's just opened up another opportunity for me. Climb over your failures. A couple of really good examples in this section of the chapter. It talks about the story of Fanny Hurst, who struggled for years to be a Broadway writer. The Saturday Evening Post even sent her 36 rejection letters, but she kept going, she kept pushing. Then it was like suddenly, and this is after years, mind you, people were breaking down her door for her writing and money was just flowing in uncontrollably. Now again, pay attention to this whole concept. Somebody stayed persistent and stayed fighting for their goals over the course of years. I mean, how many of us have had a goal in mind for more than a month, let alone years and years at a time? This is something much greater and much more deliberate than anything you've ever done in your life before. And this is why there are so few people that are able to accomplish these things. There's so few examples of this happening because it is a challenge to do. And what you guys are doing, what we are doing here, is not something that ordinary people do. This is something that people who have gone down in history as some of the most amazing people in the known story of mankind have done. Here he also tells the story of Kate Smith. And this is really short here, but he says that Kate sang in front of a microphone for years. Any microphone that she could, at no cost, until a similar thing happened. Broadway seemed to just give up fighting her, and she achieved what she desired so badly and had fought so persistently for just year after year. And then suddenly everybody wanted her. Everybody wanted her on stage. Everybody wanted to pay her to showcase her talents. 
And it was just because she kept going. So whenever we reach a failure, we have to realize that it's our responsibility to climb over it and to realize, hey, this failure has brought some sort of advantage to me. I don't see it right now, but looking back, I will. I will see the lesson that I learned from this obstacle. You can train yourself to be persistent. Here, the success mindset that we always talk about shows up yet again. Persistence is a state of mind, right? It can be cultivated based on definite causes. Napoleon lists them here. First is definiteness of purpose. When you clearly know what you want, your state of mind is such that it will not accept anything less. The clearer that which you want, the clearer your desire, the easier it is for you to be persistent because you're going to know whether or not any decision or anything that you see is aligning with what you're trying to achieve. Second is desire. A burning obsession to obtain what you want will push you through even the most difficult of challenges. Third, self-reliance. This is the belief in your own ability to carry out a plan. It's self-confidence. The author says that self-confidence can be developed through auto-suggestion. Fourth, definiteness of plans. Now basically he says here that even if your plans suck, even the slightest amount of direction will help you to stay focused. Fifth, we've got accurate knowledge. The knowledge that the plan you have created is based on sound principles that you have researched as being proven to work for other people or in your own past experiences. Now sixth is cooperation. Working well with others develops persistence. Imagine running into a roadblock, but knowing that your mastermind is there to help you get through it. That's basically what we're talking about. Seventh, willpower. Have a constant habit of always working toward completing your definite plan of action. Willpower is basically built on desire. It's built on that burning obsession. And lastly, number eight is habit. Persistence is a symptom of habit. The mind becomes programmed to carry out the habits which you set for it, allowing you to overcome anything, fear, self-doubt, and the propensity to give up at any sign of failure. Take your own persistence inventory. Okay, so we've got another self-assessment similar to those that we ran into in the organized planning chapter. And I'm not going to read through each of these questions because that's not the purpose of our meetings each week, but I will kind of give you a brief synopsis. So this is another honest assessment so you can get a solid grasp of where you are and how you are going to overcome your potential failure modes. Many of the items stem back to knowing what you want and having a burning desire to achieve it. Now, a few of them pertain to excuses, looking within, getting introspective, and trying to figure out what excuses you are telling yourself that's keeping you from being persistent, what's holding you back. And the last one in this self-assessment, which I will repeat, is caring too much about what people think. I don't think we've talked about this one enough because I think everybody suffers so greatly from it. This again is all overcome by your own mindset. If you believe wholeheartedly in what you are striving for, then this care, it'll fade away. You'll suddenly find yourself in the mindset of when someone criticizes you that it won't even phase you or have any impact on you whatsoever. This next section is focused primarily on this mode of failure. 
If you fear criticism. Guys, it is this fear which is often the very base of the immediate death of any idea, okay? After Napoleon's study of thousands of people, most ideas are stillborn, meaning they're basically already born dead. It is up to the individual who conceives that idea to nurse it to life instead of just letting it decay away. That is why when you have an idea come to you, you must nurse it right away. Otherwise the excuses and the fears that naturally come up will let it disappear. I mean, people continue to go through life unsatisfied, unhappy, and wanting more because they are afraid to make decisions for themselves because they constantly make excuses, uh, in particular those which involve the thoughts and opinions of other people. When Andrew Carnegie suggested to Napoleon that he dedicate 20 years to the writing of this book, his immediate reaction was, well, what will people say? People are going to think I'm crazy. How am I going to make money? I mean, his mind went a million miles an hour, just tons of excuses, worry, doubt. I mean, all kinds of alibis. And as Napoleon describes, they were all traceable back to the fear of criticism. So there's a real opportunity here for each of you to get introspective. Think back to the last time a great idea came to you, or maybe you just wanna quit your job. What's keeping you from making that decision? What kept you from nursing that idea to life and making it a reality? There's probably a pretty good chance that, if not at least some, most of the reason that you abandoned that idea or decision was because you were worried about what other people think. I know I'm guilty of this, as well. I, Whenever I get introspective, I find that this is the case more often than not. I know it seems like in today's culture, the opinions of other people are all that matters, but that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, it is the opposite. There's a pretty common saying, and that is, first we go through life caring what other people think, and then we move into a phase where we don't care what people think, and then we move into a phase where we realize that they weren't thinking about you at all. Do yourself a favor and skip to that third phase now. Breaks can be made to order. I love the title of this section because a break or luck can be made to order. Well, if luck can be made to order, be something that you can control, is it really luck at all? It's just kind of a, an, an ironic title, if you really think about it. He says, quote, The only break that a person can afford to rely upon is a self-made break. These come through application of persistence. The starting point is definiteness of purpose. He tells the stories of several people who did not catch a, quote, break until later in life. And it wasn't because they got lucky. It was because that was when they simply started being persistent. So the next time that you see a successful person or you think of somebody who you know to be successful, give them the benefit of the doubt. Think about how they've stayed persistent to achieve what they've achieved. Don't think about how they got lucky or they just ended up in the right place at the right time. Because even though that does happen for a lot of people in a lot of circumstances, they have to get themselves to be in those circumstances to begin with. It's not like they just tripped and fell into those very specific sets of circumstances that led them to where they are. No, it's because they had spent months, years being persistent and continuing to fight for what 
they wanted to achieve. Think of one of the most, I would say, controversial people in the United States, Jeff Bezos, the owner and CEO of Amazon. A lot of people hate him because he's got so much money. But I think a lot of it is born out of envy. I think a lot of people wish they could be doing what he's doing. And they think that he's lucky. When in reality, he created his own life. It was his hard work. It was his vision to create an online bookstore of all things. I mean, imagine the criticism he would have got from friends and family when he said, I'm just going to sell books online. Obviously, we know now that his plan was much greater at that time when he started the business. But it wasn't because he just got lucky. It was because he knew what he wanted and he kept pushing. He stayed persistent until he achieved it. How to master difficulties. I'm gonna give you a hint just right off the bat here. It's persistence. Now, this is really important. The author was discussing the successes of Henry Ford and Thomas Edison. He said, quote, I found no quality save persistence in either of them that even remotely suggested the major source of their stupendous achievements, end quote. I mean, it's like the universe rewards people who never give up. No matter who a person studies throughout history, they are always drawn to the inevitable conclusion that persistence, concentration of effort, and definiteness of purpose were the major sources of their achievement. I mean, that's really all it takes. We've got 13 principles in this book for achieving these three main objectives. Keep going, focus on what you're doing, and knowing why you're doing it. In this section, Napoleon gives the example, the story of the life of the Prophet Muhammad. He talks about the biography by Asad Bey, which I actually couldn't find in ebook form. I normally read ebooks, but um, you can find it on Amazon. So Muhammad, he grew up an average, or I would say even below average individual. Once he started preaching, People would trip him. They'd spit on him. He was banished to the desert, and so were his followers. I mean, they were stripped of all of their worldly possessions, and they were just banished because of what he was preaching. But he believed so strongly in what he was telling people that he kept going. He kept teaching through every set of setbacks that anybody can imagine. And now today, Islam is the world's second largest religion, and about 25% of the world practice it. This is just a below average individual who did this. Somebody who was born impoverished, who had no formal education, wasn't an Einstein by any stretch of the means. But the simple fact is, he knew what he wanted, he knew what he believed in, and he didn't stop until he got it. Believe it or not, that's actually gonna do it for this chapter on persistence. I hope you guys really enjoyed the stuff in this chapter. For me, it's been awesome getting to see so many of these ideas come together. Now in summary, I want you guys to imagine a pyramid. At the base of that pyramid is desire. Imagine building a desire, but then sort of getting stuck. How do you get to that next level? Once you have your desire, you bring in your burning obsession. Your burning obsession is the team that helps you build your definite plans. Then once you have your definite plans in place on top of your desire, you bring in your team of persistence. Persistence is what help you carry out your definite plans. 
And then of course at the very top is the goal. It's the riches that you're trying to get. It's pretty clear to me that the ultimate force to success is quite simply to never give up. The real challenge is cultivating that habit. It requires you to know what you want. It requires you to have a definite purpose as to why you are striving for it. You gotta have a definite desire, a burning obsession to fulfill it. You gotta have an organized plan to carry out that definite purpose. And through your passion for that purpose, you will develop those plans and the habit of persistently attacking them. That's really all we're talking about doing. The book just details how to do each of those individual things. The next chapter we're reading, chapter 10, is The Power of the Mastermind. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really excited to start studying this chapter because we've heard so much about the mastermind. Now, this is only a seven-page chapter, so read it a couple times. Study it in depth, take some really good notes, and be ready for next week's meeting. There are just two action items from this chapter this week. The first being, once we have finished the book, to begin immediately to carry out the instructions for the six steps on desire. So the second you finish that last page of the book, start carrying out those six steps. And the second is a self-assigned one. I'm assigning this one to you guys, and that is to, from now on, be cognizant of how the perceived opinions of others or potential criticism from others affects your decision making. Of course, please join us in the Telegram group. Download the Telegram app for your Android or your iPhone. Super easy to do. If you guys like the show, want to support it, send me a donation. Not a penny of what you guys send in goes into my pocket, but instead goes to the development of this show and to strengthening our reach and helping to improve the lives of so many other people. I also want you guys to get an accountability partner. I want you guys to get somebody who you can actually physically meet with, who you can discuss this book with, who you can discuss the podcast with, who's going to keep you on track to finishing the book. It's really easy for me to say, oh yeah, just stay disciplined and read the book and listen to this podcast on X day every single week. But it's way easier if you've got somebody who is going to keep you accountable and make sure that you're showing up, that you're doing the stuff you say that you're going to do. And finally, guys, something I haven't asked you to do yet, which I can't believe I've forgotten to do, is to leave me a rating and review wherever you get your podcast. So with that, thank you all again for spending some time with me this week. Have an awesome week. And don't forget, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. We'll see you next week.